Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. Okay, I'm going to share a message tonight uh, on baptism and I've entitled it, What Are You Waiting For? So baptism, what is baptism? I want you to know that baptism is a public, a public declaration of faith. It is an opportunity for you to stand in front of your community, in front of your friends and your family and publicly declare your faith in Christ. It's an opportunity to invite people who don't know God, people, your friends who don't quite understand what's happening in your life, how you've just chosen to follow God. It's an opportunity to invite them and share your testimony in front of them. It's an opportunity uh, to share about your journey and how God has led you to the point where you are today. I remember when I uh, got baptised, I'd been a Christian about six months, and I invited a lot of my non-Christian friends. I remember like just being super nervous, and I had prepared my whole testimony thing on, a, on one A4 bit of paper and just read it word for word, because I was so scared. But there was something inside of me that knew that I was called to testify about who Jesus was in my life, that, that despite uh, people around me avidly not believing in God, I was still called to invite them along and testify about who God is in my life as I got baptised. Baptism is an opportunity and is purpose for you to testify who God is in your life to your friends and to your community. And we had a super special moment this morning, like you can prepare a lot of eloquent words and you can share your whole story in a real beautiful manner, um, but God just asks that we come like little children. And this morning uh, was a really precious moment. This um, <clears throat> young girl called Francesca, I've known her since she was about four, she was about 10, I think. And uh, she got baptised this morning and she stood in front of everyone and I, I was holding the microphone and I asked her, why are you getting baptised? And she proceeded to say, uh, I want to get baptised because I just want to love and then just broke into tears. And I don't know if anyone else was crying, but I was. And it was so beautiful. And after about 30 seconds, she composed herself to say that I just want to love Jesus and that for me was the kingdom. Jesus said, you cannot enter the kingdom unless you become like a little child. Baptism is purposed for public declaration of your faith in front of your community and in front of your friends. And this is something we, we, we understand as a community and this is something we live. And culturally within this church, this is something we do well. It's 100% true, but it's not 100% of the truth. Do you understand that? How something can be 100% true, but it's not 100% of the truth. There's another side to the coin. And the other side of the coin is something that we do have an understanding of, but I can tell we don't culturally live it. I can tell I don't culturally live it yet because of how I live, because of what I do. And that is the fact that baptism is also a spiritual death and resurrection. This is something we've heard. This is something we know. This isn't news. But what does it actually look like to apply? And are we applying this in our lives? Baptism is also a spiritual death and resurrection. It's the laying down of your life in order to pick up the life Jesus has provided for you. And the life Jesus has provided for you is said in John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and life more abundantly. The life that Jesus calls us to pick up is the abundant life. And it's not a life defined by iPhone 8Ss and new Macs and sweet cars. Uh, that's cool, but that's not actually what he's meaning. Abundance is defined by having more than what you need. 
Abundance is defined as having more than what you need. Jesus is calling you to a life where you have more than what you need. Not more than your neighbour, though you may. He's not calling you to have more than your neighbour. He's calling you to have more than what you need so that you may use that to serve your community. Jesus is calling you to lay down your life in order to pick up his life, which is an abundant life, that you may have more than what you need in order that you may serve those around you. And the greatest of all is a servant. Baptism is also a spiritual death and resurrection, the laying down of your life in order to pick up the life of, that Jesus has given you. John 10.10, 10, a life of abundance. Jesus calls you that when we get baptised, we're called to lay down our lives. What does that mean to lay down our lives? It means to lay down who we used to be. It means to lay down everything that is not Jesus. It means to lay down unforgiveness. Whether it's your father who did an average job of loving you or who walked away from you or that friend who ditched you or physically abused you. It looks like laying that life down, laying that unforgiveness down and choosing not to partner with that, laying bitterness down. Jesus calls you to lay down your past, your bitterness, your unforgiveness, selfishness, things that are not of Jesus. He calls you to lay it down, lay down your poverty, your belief that you do not have enough, that you've always lived going through high school, never having enough, never having enough to fit in. You, you leave high school, you start working, you work overtime trying to have enough. Jesus says, lay it down. Lay down your belief that you don't have enough. Jesus calls you to lay down your old self, to lay down fear, to lay down hatred, to lay down unworthiness, the belief that you are not good enough, the belief that you are not good enough to be loved by someone, to be known fully and loved fully. Jesus calls you to lay this down, lay this down and pick up the life He has given to you. These are all burdens I'm talking about. Your old man, your old life, these are all burdensome. These are hard things to deal with. It's hard holding on to bitterness. It's hard work. It's gonna take its toll on your life. It takes your toll physically. It's hard to hold on to unforgiveness, to hold someone to an action they did 15 years ago. It's hard. It's hard to be selfish. It's hard um, to be full of bitterness, to be full of fear. To, to do life riddled with insecurity is tough because you spend your whole life trying to hide a certain aspect of who you are. These things are burdensome. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's important to understand Jesus is referring here using a, what's the word begins with M, describing something, metaphor. And he's using the metaphor yoke. Hands up if you know what a yoke is in the context Jesus is using it. For those that don't know, a yoke is uh, usually a bit of wood used to hold two animals together in order which they can be used to pull something, either a cart or some sort of farming equipment. But Jesus says to the people, he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Another translation says, my teachings are easy and that they are light. But what's something really important to understand that when, when you're called to actually follow Jesus, that though it is a better deal than the lottery, it is not the lottery. It is not your ticket out of trouble. It is not your ticket to sunshine and rainbows, though you may sing and declare that song on rainy days. That there is, there is work to be done. There is a sense of pushing through, a sense of, of working. 
But I want you to know that when you lay down your life and pick up the abundant life that Jesus has for you, that even when it rains, He will provide an umbrella. That, that when you're hurting, He'll provide a comforter. That when you're sitting in your room all alone because that person you really liked just dumped you and you thought you were going to marry them, or that friend just walked away from you, or you've been alone for two years and you have never really connected with anyone and you're sitting alone, Jesus said, I will be with you. He will provide a comforter when you feel uncomfortable. I'm not promising a perfect life, but I am promising a perfect friend in Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and a burden, who are carrying insecurities, fears, bitterness, unforgiveness, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. Baptism is a time to testify in front of your community about who God is in your life. That is 100% true. But it's also an experience of faith that Jesus has called everyone to go through. It is an experience. It is an encounter through faith that Jesus calls every one of us to go through. It's a spiritual resurrection, a laying down of the old and a picking up of the new. Now you might be in here thinking, uh, this sounds a lot like salvation. It sounds a lot like I'm talking about what salvation is, the laying down of the old, the picking up of the new, laying down your life in order to pick up his and live for him. 1 Corinthians 12, 2 says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ in reference to his body. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, Kiwi or Australian, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. For we were all baptised by one spirit. And then Acts 22, Ananias is prophesying over Paul just after he becomes a Christian. And Ananias says, you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And he says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptised, wash your sins away and calling on his name. And if you're in here and you're wondering, like this sounds very much like a talk about what it is to be a Christian, what it is to follow God. Uh, I'd like you guys to consider the thought that actually salvation and baptism are actually one and the same, that they're not, uh, it's not salvation and then the next step is baptism. I'd like to propose it's actually the same step, that actually biblically salvation and baptism go hand in hand, but culturally we have separated it. And I take responsibility for that, just as anyone else for being a part of a culture which actually biblically separated baptism and salvation. But I'd love you to think about what it would look like to to manifest a culture within this community that that accurately displays what Jesus taught. I'd like to propose that biblically salvation and baptism go hand in hand, but culturally we've separated the two. There's a couple of reasons why I think we separate the two. One of the main reasons is we believe it's the next step. We believe baptism is the next step in our faith, in our journey with God. But as I said, I don't believe it's the next step. I believe it is the step. And what happens sometimes is we lay down, we give our lives to God and we're like, I'm going to follow you. And then after a month, maybe we like 
say a cuss word or something. I don't know. If you're a dude, you slip up and have a, watch a bit of porn, you know. You deal with some junk and then you feel less qualified and all of a sudden you don't feel like you can take that next step. You feel like you're not authentic enough to be able to stand in front of your community and testify how Jesus has transformed your life when you're still struggling. Because we perceive it as the next step as opposed to the step. Jesus said, come as you are. Jesus said, come as you are. The only qualification is that you must become like a little child. The only ability Jesus calls for is availability. The main reason we don't get baptised straight as well is we think it's the next step. We think it's a more holy step. Secondly, it's inconvenient. Like there's, lo- there's lots of things that happen in this world. You simply set up for inconvenience and you watch the people like lean in that direction. There's two types of people in this world, intentional and unintentional, and unintentional people submit themselves to a world of intentionality. If you don't make a decision on where you're going, someone else has for you. And you will go in that direction. It's inconvenient. It requires you to go out of your way to get wet. Sometimes it's cold. Let me tell you, if you want me to baptise you in the river, I'll do it, but I'll get a wetsuit. Like, I'll do it, but I'll get a wetsuit. But, but it's inconvenient, you know, like we have to have like a whole service for it or have to invite friends out to the river or something, you know, like it doesn't quite fit in, the, in, the, in our routine as much as home group on a Thursday night or something, you know, or Xbox on a Wednesday, whatever you do. But it's inconvenient. And lastly, we, we sort of kind of feel this thing of like we wait for the perfect opportunity, we wait for the perfect opportunity to get baptised. We wait to be able to get baptised with someone we really love or we wait till all our family can be there or we wait till we're, we're in love with God enough. We wait till we're, we're more solidified in our faith. We're more confident in who we are. We wait for perfection, but Jesus said, come as you are. He embraces your imperfection. He's more aware of your humanity than you are. And he still says, come. And for all these reasons... We separate baptism and salvation. But my question for you here this evening, that if you are a Christian and you're following God, if you love Him, and I'm not questioning your heart, but I'm asking you the question of what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to get baptised? If you want to get baptised this week in a river, I'll buy a wetsuit and we'll do it. I'm serious. (laughs) I do. Someone else can do it. Um, <coughs> what, what are you waiting for, you know? Like as some of those things I just shared, are they reasons why you're waiting for? We, one thing uh, we, are, we are deciding to do as a church is we want to do baptisms once a term because we want to we wanna create room for what God is doing and what He is going to do. And so if you're in this room here tonight, uh, not only if you're young adults, though I am speaking to the young adults in this room, if you haven't been baptised, I'd love to ask the question, why not? And then I invite you to get baptised, if not tonight, then next term. I encourage you to consider to make a commitment, be like, yep, Josh, I want you to hold me accountable, I'm going to get baptised next time. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Josh's words here, including your own. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, including your own. Baptizing them in the name 
of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything I have commanded you to. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Baptism and salvation go hand in hand. And I just encourage and both challenge every person here tonight that if your heart is, is for Jesus and you're following him and you haven't been baptised, then I would love to have that privilege to baptise you. And if not me, then someone else. It's not just a moment to declare your faith in front of others. It's actually an experience, an encounter in which the Holy Spirit can impact you. Everyone's different. Some people uh, feel God in a tangible way. Some people feel joy. Some people feel excitement. I remember uh, when I got baptised, I just smiled like a goon for about 10 minutes. Um, I don't really know what it was, but... You know, but your experience will be your experience. But I know that if you, if you show up and if you put your heart on the line for God, then He will meet you there. Is that all right?